Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to help the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim Elmore, and I am the pastor of Memorial Baptist Church, Stratford, Ontario. And my name is Marshall Morden, and I'm also a pastor, an associate pastor at Memorial Baptist in Stratford. You know, I got halfway into that intro and realized I don't have it in front of me, and I couldn't remember what I was supposed to say. And I thought, you did a great uh, job. It sounds something like this. It was good. It was good. <laughs> All right. Oh, so this is this is our second time to record uh, just outside of the radio room from our homes. Mm -hmm. Um, Kids taking piano lessons upstairs uh, over the Internet as well. So who knows how glitchy we'll be, how noisy it'll be. This is our world. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is the struggle. Can I, you you know, can I can I say this? I just want to. I'm a bit of an introvert. Lindsay's a bit of an introvert. Our okay. family's pretty lame, so not a whole lot changed for us. We're not the out running around all the time kind of people, but I really hate recording the podcast this way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm a bit more of an extrovert, so I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm going crazy. Yeah. I'm, it's, it's not, it's not going well for me, Tim. No, (laughs) no. No. Yeah. I, I think I, there are a lot of things that I miss at this point, but the, the recording sermons in my kitchen and recording podcasts from the basement, neither one of those are gold. Right. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Well, let's get into it anyways here, Tim, because we've got, uh, we've got another week's worth of reading to cover. Yeah, so if you're following along in the uh, Blue Letter Bible reading plan, uh, these are days 113 through 119. Yeah, I think that's right. right. Yeah. All right, so, uh, so this is, uh, this is a, a big deal section, right? Uh, if I remember correctly, at the very beginning of this, when we were talking about what it means to read through the Bible, to do it chronologically, to get through some of those areas where things might feel like they're drying up a bit, um, it was you that really pressed in on people. I uh, don't skip through genealogies, um, yeah. and, and spend some time there just sort of reading them, taking them in because they are God's word. Um, and they're, they're there for a reason. Yeah. And now I would say, is it something like six out of the seven days, five out of the seven days for this week's reading are nothing but genealogy. Oh yeah. There's a whole, there's a whole lot of genealogy. A whole this lot of genealogy. Whole lot. Yep. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go get a sandwich and I'm just going to let you take it from here and you can explain, <laughs> <laughs> you can explain to everyone uh, why this grips the heart. Well, we'll tell you what. Okay. Here's, here's what I'm, here's my, my modest suggestion to those who are reading through more genealogies, right? Uh, as we go through it, obviously there's going to be a lot of names that mean very little to us but not all the names right and as we as we go through those genealogies you know we can remember the stories that we have read of these various characters right from adam to noah and then abraham and you know the other patriarchs and and the people who are in the desert and the people who um you know caleb and, and and joshua those who brought israel back into the promised land so you know 
part of part of the the nice thing about the genealogy is that we can kind of in our own minds kind of go over all of the things that we've already studied and uh and it kind of brings us up to speed again so i think you know it's not necessarily time wasted but i can understand that people aren't (laughs) hugely enthused about who begat who i i don't i don't think anyone with a good good christian standard would ever make an argument for time wasted uh there there might be some who would say i i read faster than i thought i would be able to read through those sections uh, <laughs> because not only not only are these genealogies, but this is an unprecedented number of consecutive genealogies, right? There's a lot. Uh, there's 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 a lot here, and and I would charge too. No, you're right. When you look through and you sort of see the names that you recognize, uh, that's kind of a cool thing when you've been reading along chronologically. Uh, also, remember that some of these names are reused. We're talking about a particular people group, and just because you know you see one particular name used doesn't mean that that's the one guy, right? Right. There are a lot of a lot of people that share names. There are yeah, a handful and, of Eleazar's and that sort of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's and in the genealogies too, there's two different kinds. We've got the the kind of standard linear type where it's just you kind of just say this guy had this son and he had this son and he. But there's also the ones that have that kind of branched out more, yeah. right? That kind of go outwards, and so that can kind of be confusing and trying to put timelines together and, and i mean just don't get too bogged down in that but it's yeah it's it's the drier stuff but 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 yeah. in addition to all of these genealogies we get a whole bunch of psalms this week hold on like i'm not done talking about genealogies oh okay. i'm not right, I, 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 that was a great segue and i know you're trying to move it on to the the psalms and stuff uh but one more <laughs> one more thought i have on the uh, on the genealogies this section this section is hugely important to uh, people who uh, want to try to date the earth in a young earth creationism. Oh, yeah, right. And they use this and count backwards what they believe to be, you know, the 30 years or whatever it is that, uh, that might separate generations. And, uh, and the ones that will give you a specific number, this is how old the earth is, and here's the number on it. Uh, mm-hmm. This is where it comes from. First Chronicles. First part cool. of First Chronicles. Yeah. Cool. Which you can't really do. I just to, just to throw that out there because sometimes people get skipped. Sometimes when it says the son of, it means the great grandson of. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, especially in the early, like in, in Genesis too, some of those some of those genealogies are referring to like entire people groups. Mm-hmm. Entire right. tribes of people. Mm-hmm. Um so again. Just, you know, the Bible doesn't give us a specific age of the earth. And so, you know, we don't really need to spend too much time trying to do the math. Yeah. And better uses of our time. Just to throw the the closing thing on the genealogies. uh, This is the big plot twist that takes place in chapter eight, right? The big Mm. plot twist in chapter eight of first Chronicles is that it goes from the descendants of to the genealogy of. Hmm which is really not a huge plot twist, but you're looking at that point, you're looking for variety, right? You're looking for something new and there it is. There's your newness. There's the excitement. Uh, But, but you do move on from that into narrative and we do have one narrative story, uh, which is uh, 
the retelling of a story we've already heard twice. Yeah, pretty much. The first time we heard it, it was uh, correctly told. The second time, it was a lie. Mm-hmm. And the third time is the validation of the first. Yeah. Two or more witnesses. First Chronicles. You gotta love it. That's right. That's right. Confirming the things that we already knew. Yeah. So all the people who thought they got through Leviticus the number and they're like, hey, I did it. I did it. I'm through <laughs> the weeds. Welcome to the weeds. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> all right. Uh, Before we get in trouble for uh, sounding like we would condescend any portion of scripture, let's true. move on to Psalms. Yeah. yeah, let's do that. Yeah, we get we get a great a great variety of Psalms um, here. We get a lot that are obviously written by David, which is cool, right? David is a very interesting character, but we've got a couple other authors that are mentioned, uh, kind of two key ones. One is a guy named Asaph, and the other uh, is the sons of Korah, who are both attributed with several of the Psalms that we're covering this week. And so uh, you and I did a little bit of history homework to try and find out who these people were. We didn't get the clearest answer, I guess. We didn't really get a, a very like specific indication of, you know, exactly who these people were. I think it's kind of safe to say they're probably Levites of some kind, right? Yeah. From the tribe yeah. of Levi, tasked with overseeing the worship in, you know, first in the tabernacle, then in the temple. Um, you know, these were career worship leaders to some degree. This is what they did. Yeah. And, songs and lead worship. And the sons of Korah, possibly Levitical descendants of the Korah, cousin of Moses who rebelled uh, in the wilderness sort of redeeming of the name of Korah. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. If, if that is the case that they would identify them that way. Yeah. Instead right? of running from it. Right. Or yeah. But yeah, but then maybe, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it is a kind of redeeming type type thing. I don't know. But oh, in any you case, oh, what? hold on. I, I, this is, this is terrible radio. Uh-oh. This is, this is the kind of, this is why you plan. Okay. Believe it or not, like a lot of podcasts like to make jokes of the fact that they're not actually planning. Um, but we do plan ahead. Uh, generally, it works out for us. Usually. But we got to go back to First Chronicles for a second. Uh-oh. What did we forget? Hold on a second. Let me find it. You got me nervous, Tim. There's in, in the middle of uh, the, uh, the genealogies, there's a mention of a person who makes a request to God. First Chronicles chapter four. Okay, I'm going there right now. Do it. What verse? Uh, verse 10. Oh, it's Jabez. The prayer of Jabez. So see that now you understand why we couldn't let that skip. Oh yeah, no. That's not to say that I weren't wasn't listening to what you had to say. I was uh listening intently on what you were telling mm-hmm. us. Um but first Chronicles four ten, we have the prayer of Jabez. And uh it is it is in the middle of a genealogy. Mm-hmm. There was a man, and uh the man was called Jabez. And Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, 
and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring, um, bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. And then back into the genealogy. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> a whole like book. To, yeah, I was going to say, sounds like we need to write a book about this. Not only and... a book, but a New York Times bestseller based off of that verse. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So, Get God so, to enlarge our board. Right. It, the, so the book, the book encourages people to pray along with Jabez that God would enlarge their borders. And if you pray those things, you have not because you ask not. There you go. I mean, I got to say this, like being in, in quarantine right now in our apartment. First thing I want to say is I'm very grateful for the place that we live, but it's mm. not particularly large. Are you about when to give God about the compliment sandwich, like the, the bad news sandwich, right? That's right. I'm grateful. Uh, I'm just saying like, yeah, we could use some, we could use some broadening of borders in the Morden household. You know, a little more square footage might be, might be nice in a time such as this. <laughs> that's no, all it's, that's all I'm saying. Right. So, so theologically, just because we're going to go past this, prayer of Jabez, I, I think that this is something that we should, should just hit on to say that, uh, that the, the principle behind that book is not solid biblical principle, mm. right? The principle behind that book is of all of these people, this one guy asked for something and God gave it to him because he was the one that asked, right? Uh, I, I think that it's interesting that, that the man would ask. And I think that it's very interesting that God would see fit to grant that, but this is not formulaic, right? No, this, there's, there's no, there's no, there's nothing really to be gleaned from here outside of the history. I mean, if we're even going to look at the genre, the genre of this writing is historical, right? Mm -hmm. This thing took place yeah. uh, and, and not necessarily instructive in such a way as to say, and do these things that they may take place. Okay, right. Yeah. I, I would also write descriptive, prescriptive. not prescriptive. I would also say that we have to remember, we've, we've hammered this nail a number of times. Uh, the old covenant is a physical covenant for a physical people uh, with physical reward so that people would look at that and recognize the God who has provided that for them. And Christ comes to show us that all of the physicality of everything had spiritual implications and it's the spiritual that actually matters. Christ mm -hmm. never teaches us to pray that our borders would be expanded mm -hmm. and that we would have more. Mm -hmm. Nowhere in the New Testament does anyone ever teach that we pray for greater physical abundance. And the difference is the difference between an old and new covenant. Yeah. For and sure. So if we want to follow that pattern of thinking, if, if, if a Christian wants to say, well, no, I, I, I kind of like the way things happened in the Old Testament, and so I want to cling to those Old Testament principles and practices, then they are doing what Paul says is fine, but a person who wants to keep the law has to keep all of the law. Yeah. And no one can keep all of the law. And so to regress back to the law is to say to Jesus and his cross, thanks, but no thanks. Right. I've got this. Uh, and so I, I, would warn, I would warn against... Um, the prayer of Jabez is, is a big one, uh, just because the book itself was so popular. Uh, mm -hmm. And 
and this is this is where it comes from from a genealogy yeah, yeah. yeah. now everyone's <laughs> scanning their shelves at home to see if they have yeah. that the prayer to that before the preacher comes over for dinner that's right yeah you get, might have yeah. a couple of months before Hide that happens it. again <laughs> yeah that one or circle maker yeah circle makers is not even from the bible right that's from it's from uh the talmud Apocrypha. right yeah 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 it's just a, a, a an extra biblical account of a priest who decided he was going to pray that way uh and so he did uh it's not a, a biblical teaching yeah extra surprise biblical. surprise surprise extra old testament biblical extra biblical stuff. teaching yeah, yeah. all right so you were talking testament. about the psalms yeah okay so yeah we'll talk about the psalms so the Psalms, which I'm really enjoying getting through, especially on weeks where half of our reading is genealogy, um, really display a wide variety of emotional, spiritual experience. And uh, yeah, so I mean, when we get into this stuff, we, we just see a really colorful picture of, yeah, of what it looks like to live in a relationship with the almighty god and and but living in a in a fallen world and experiencing the things that that we experience you know in our current mm -hmm. in our current state yeah so, and and i think i think there's a lot of grace in just sort of how this comes together that some of the places where we might be reading more quickly and just sort of going through mm -hmm. and this is this might be drier and that kind of thing not as much to ponder and meditate on uh i, I think that's really what we're looking at that we neither one of us for all of the jokes we've made today neither one of us really expects that the bible's primary function is to draw me into an emotional state uh, because the Bible is all about me and what I want to glean from it. Um, but, but to say that there is something of the flesh and the soul that appreciates the ability to meditate on and glean from the word of God. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't exist really in genealogies in the same way where it's more informative than it is emotive. Uh, but the Psalms are the exact opposite of that in a lot of ways. And to have yeah. those two together means I get to spend more time with those Psalms. Yeah. Yeah. So we can talk, let's talk about some of our, uh, our favorite ones. We don't have enough time to kind of get into all of them, but can we start uh, at the beginning with 43, the very yeah, first one of the week. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 43. What I, what I love about 43, it's not attributed to any particular author. Uh, a number of these are not, uh, it, it's Davidic in its tone, um, but can't be historically ascribed to David uh, without question. Mm. But that it, it's all about God. You know, I just realized we didn't really do the forest part of it, but the forest that we were discussing is that this is all the story of God, right? All of these Psalms right. lean so heavily on the person of God and his right and will to bring about what he chooses to bring about and that it shows up in the genealogies how historically he has already been doing this and this psalm mm. is just a cry in that direction right vindicate me O god and defend my cause against an ungodly people mm. from the deceitful and the unjust man deliver me for you mm. are the god in whom i take refuge why have you rejected me? 
Why do I go about mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. Now he's, he's very clear here to talk about his own struggle, right? He, he cries out to God first, then he recognizes his struggle, and he keeps asking questions. Why? Why am I going through this struggle? Why am I finding myself in this place? Uh, and then in verse 5, he wraps it up with saying, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And so then he turns the question back around on himself and he says, uh, hey, this is not about me. Why am I so concerned that this is going to be about, has to be about me? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love the wrestling that he has you know, with whoever the psalm writer is, like has with themselves, right? Why are you downcast on my soul, right? Like this, this kind of this division that we, we often feel within our own hearts, like what we know to be true and what we're feeling are so often at odds with one another. And so to just see the psalmist in that same boat um, is, I just kind of conf- confirms so much of our experience of what it's like right? We're, we're reminded that we are to, to be focused on the hope that we have in God, you know, despite our soul feeling downcast, right? So yeah, it's, and, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. And, and I would say like right now, this time that we're in, uh, we're, what is it? I've lost count. Are we three or four weeks into quarantine, pandemic quarantine? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what day of the week it is, uh, I, none of that, none of that. I'm completely lost in all of this calendar stuff. Um, but anyway, we have, since we have been in this, the Psalm that, that I see most and, and that everyone seems to want to talk about is Psalm 91, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, people are loving the promises of Psalm 91 because in it, there is this absolute confidence. Nothing can touch me. Nothing can touch me. I am the Lord's. I am about his work and nothing can touch me. And people are throwing that out like crazy. Who wrote Psalm 91? Because you and I were scanning it to find it and when it was going to be in the upcoming reading. And uh, where did we find it? Do you remember? Yeah. So we actually found it back when we were reading Deuteronomy. Yeah. Uh, So Deuteronomy, Joshua. So, you know, like it's from that era, right? of of moses or joshua um it's from a very different time period than that of david right and so we're looking at sort of like it could have been written by joshua or caleb right kind of that mindset where god has told them you are going in you will take possession of this land that i promised to your forefathers Mm. and so for joshua to write a psalm that says i am about the work of the lord and i am untouchable makes sense as a fulfillment of God's promise to him in that moment. Yeah. The more common understanding of the psalm are these understandings of the psalm where the psalmist comes in and says, I'm broken, I'm struggling, I don't know what to do next, but I trust in you. Yeah. I'm crushed, but I trust that you will lift me up. It's a very different tone, but it's a different tone because it's a different context. That Psalm 91 was written in a very specific context that doesn't exist in the rest of Psalms. And a lot of them that we read today, like Psalm 44, is, uh, is the same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Awake. Why are you sleeping, O Lord? Right? It's like this person feels like God is just completely 
out of the picture, yeah. right? Like this is this is a this is a very common feeling that that the psalmist has, you know, and and so that yeah, you're right. That's a much more kind of accurate picture of the psalms as a whole. Is kind of this this frustration or the, this this difficulty in knowing the promises of God, but not necessarily seeing it or experiencing it the way that one would expect. Yeah. And you know, 44 is a long Psalm. It is. And, and you and I both talked about this Psalm that, that we kept waiting for that moment, right? That, that verse five that is in 43, right? Where he turns and says, I'm struggling, but mm-hmm. I feel abandoned by God, but and uh, that turn doesn't exist in Psalm 44. No, it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. It, it ends with him calling again, God, rise up and redeem us for the sake of your steadfast mm. love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, moving through some of the other Psalms here, uh, one, of the, one of the verses that stood out to me in Psalm 49, so moving ahead a little bit, and uh, this is one. Uh, where it discusses kind of this destruction that is going on. Um, But I love verse 15 uh, because the psalmist says, but God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol for he will rescue or he will receive me. Right. So, you know, we had talked about, I think it was last week or maybe the week before about this idea of the grave. Um, that existed and kind of the theology that they, they had at that time. And just this trust that, you know, even if the grave should take us, that God will ransom our soul from the power of, of the grave. Yes. The, the understanding of the gospel is beginning to be unpacked amongst the Israelite nation. They're, they're beginning to see what it is that God is going to do. Right. It's uh yeah, I just love to kind of see that these these little snippets of of what Christ is going to be doing for his people. Right, because one of the main things that we talked about in uh in why the chronological reading of the Bible matters so much is uh, a a thing we call progressive revelation that God incrementally tells his story to his people, right? It's not that the authors of scripture are perfect theologians and Mm. understand the fullness of the means by which God is going to do his work. They are receiving what revelation God has for them to receive in order to write what God has for them to write, but they are not necessarily uh, writing from the perspective of an omniscient third party narrative, right? Uh, True. These are people learning as they go, and and this is where we begin seeing this idea of redemption from the grave, right? So far, it's only been talk about uh, redeeming a land, right? That physical people, you're going to redeem us and set us up above other nations, and now we get this glimpse of, oh, maybe it's not even about this life. Maybe there's a something to come. Hmm. Yeah. What other What other psalms stood out? to you in the reading is there oh. anything else that uh so other psalms that stood out to me um 84 is one that we talked about uh yeah. because this is like where you were saying it's these were songs sung by uh god's people the israelites 
long, long, long before Christ even came, which is a long time before we found ourselves in a place of faith and worship. And we still sing, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. We don't sing the O Lord of hosts, but the, the concept of how lovely is your dwelling place and better is one day in your courts uh, than a thousands elsewhere. And to, to find these things inside of the scripture and to, uh, to see that this is where they came from uh, is always uh, an inspiring and encouraging thing. And, and to me, it just sort of connects us back to this people group uh, in a powerful way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's, yeah, it's, it's always meaningful, right? It's especially when, when you're singing songs that come from the Psalms, right? That, that history, that almost that connection that you feel um, with those who've been singing praises to the same God, you know, but they were doing it thousands of years ago. Um, mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's just it's 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 a really wonderful. I think for me, one of the the passages that stood out was out of Psalm seventy three. Um, it was it's interesting because Psalm seventy three kind of runs the gamut of different you know emotions and feelings. Um, but I love the way it ends. Um, so starting in verse twenty three, it says. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is mm-hmm. nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my, my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Uh, for behold, those who are far from you shall perish, but you put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works, right? Just that, that, that eternal hope, right? That, that we know that he will receive us into glory. There is nothing on earth that we should desire, but him, right? It's just, um, it's an encouraging word. I think more, more than, you know, that the Psalm 91 of nothing can touch me. I think is the hope that even if this thing does touch me, I have nothing to worry about. My flesh may fail. Right. But God is the strength of my heart and the, my portion forever. Right. So. No. Yeah. And, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't backtrack from uh, the things that we said earlier about Psalm 91 uh, being that it was a most likely a specific message for uh, Joshua at that point in time. Uh, as far as the physical deliverance that's described there. Uh, but I, I think what we learn in the New Testament, as we even said earlier in this podcast, is that there is an ultimate reality that is a spiritual reality. And that is the battle that we are fighting. And that's where we claim Psalm 91, right? Yeah. Uh, take my flesh, but you can't take me. Uh, right. Ultimately, I will be redeemed, uh, even if that redemption comes from the grave, right? I might be redeemed physically in this time, because God has decided that he's not done using me to bring about his glory and his will. Uh, but if he has, and I find myself in the grave, uh, from there I will be redeemed and my soul is untouchable. Mm. Um, and, and that, that idea of refuge that you just read, the, the psalmists love the picture of refuge that we would be sheltered in the shadow of his wings, uh, that he is our comfort and our guide. Um, 
I, I, I you know, in, in times like this, it's important for us to remember that uh, good health is not our refuge. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, even though we're in, in quarantine, our homes are still not a place of refuge. Uh, our refuge is in the Lord. And, uh, and, and not that he would bring things about the way that we would want them to be, but that we would simply look to him and say, bring things about the way that you would have them to be. And I'm okay with that because I trust that that is good. Yeah. 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 That's the... I think that's that's the the refuge that that we all need to be focused on right now, right? Not not the uh, not the things that we've built up for ourselves in this world, which can so easily be taken away, right? And that's what that's what we're seeing. I think you know so many things that we kind of took for granted or trusted in these worldly things, which are now suddenly you know we go to the grocery store and they don't have what we want, right? And we just assume that you know, this society, which we've built for ourselves will always supply all of our needs. Right. And therefore we're okay because we can get what we want, get what we need. And, uh, yeah, it's just a, a, I guess a reorientation of, of what matters most and of, of where our security really lies. And it's not, not in the things of this world. Yeah. Anything particular as a highlight that you would point out that you said, you know, this grabbed me and I, uh, I just loved it. Uh, Psalm 78 is just, it's another, it's another, uh, teacher kids kind of moment. It's just saying like, Hey, we're not going to withhold this information from the next generation. And then goes on to just kind of recount the entire history of Israel up to that point. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, just kind of, I, I love that kind of stuff. I love, you know, I love teaching the next generation. I love the idea that this is something that's just such an integral part of being God's people. Um, I look forward to, you know, my own children being a little bit older and being able to to do that with them. So it's just cool that it's right there in the Psalms. How about you? Yeah, for me, uh, I, I would say that uh, Psalm 93 is fantastic. Uh, mm. Just because it recognizes the immovable steadfastness of God, you know, I've heard so many people, and, and probably have been guilty of saying it myself. Uh, our times have changed, and our world will never be the same uh, because of this pandemic. And you know what? Mm. That is really short-sighted and <laughs> not even true. Uh, when you look through history, like the number of peoples that have gone through major catastrophes, things like this. Uh, even, even some of the, the oldest in our society uh, have been through wars that caused people to say the exact same thing, right? Uh, this is very new for us, and we might not be the same. Uh, but just to read, I, I'm going to read the whole thing because it's really short. Maybe even worth putting to memory just for these, uh, the times that we're in. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness 
befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Mm, that's great. Yeah. So thanks for listening to the podcast. I still don't have my closing notes in front of me. Uh, in and Through is a resource <laughs> of Memorial Baptist Church uh, and is produced by Alex Walker. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later, everyone. <laughs>